Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Well, last week we saw uh, point number one. If you got the notes this morning, you're also going to see that point number one's already filled in. And uh, again, you got to know where the finish line is. When you're running a race, if you're looking to win that race, you got to know where you're going. You got to know the direction. You got to know what the aim is. And so, again, when we think about uh, the, the videos we showed at the very beginning, we saw uh, a, a group of girls running, we saw a group of guys running. And at the very uh, end of the races, they were pressing as hard as they could to get to that finish line. Again, they had to know where that was before they knew how to push to get to the end of that. And, um, and so that was our point number one. We also saw this, that the trials and obstacles that the Apostle Paul was going through in his life didn't deter him from that. That it didn't keep him. He was clear that Christ was the one that he was straining for. He was clear that Christ was the one that was worth it all. Despite everything physically he went through, emotionally he went through, spiritually he went through, Christ was worth every single physical struggle, every single hurt that he would go through. Christ was worth the race. And so we saw that he saw the, the resurrection of the dead. Christ was, I mean, Paul was saying, I'm going to run for that so that I can win Christ. That's my, that's my prize, that I can win Christ. And we left off with this quote, and I want to share it again this morning, because if you weren't here last week, you didn't hear it. If you heard it last week, I want to remind you of it. John Piper said this, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends that you've ever had on earth, with all the food that you've ever liked, and all the leisure activities or hobbies that you've ever enjoyed, you could also have heaven with all the natural beauties that you've ever seen with your eyes and all the physical pleasures that you've ever tasted. And you could also in heaven have no human conflict, no problems with anybody, no fights or arguments or disagreements, no human conflict at all, or any natural disasters, no floods, fires, earthquakes, hurricanes, or any other natural. You could have heaven with all of these things. Could you be satisfied with that heaven if Christ was not there? And as shared last week, I, I, I pray that we wouldn't be satisfied but I'm concerned in American Christianity today, there would be a lot of people that would be struggling to answer that question that same way. I think a lot of people have a lot of things going on in this world. We all do. And there's a lot of things that we think about and cling to and live for and, and pursue, even as Christians. And again, we saw in, in our message last week that Christ is the one that we're supposed to be striving for. He's the one that we're supposed to be pursuing. He's the one that's supposed to be consuming our thoughts. Because when we have Christ, knowing that that's our finish line, the resurrection, knowing that Christ is our prize at the end of it, when we have that, then we, like Paul, can endure the physical struggles, the hurts, the, 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 the pains, and the, the conflicts with mankind. And we, we can get through this life like Paul and still say, it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't have answers to the problems. I don't have, I don't have necessarily an, a, a, a solution to my hurt right now. I don't have the end of, the, of my, my situation that's causing so, much problem, so many problems in my life. I don't have all that right now, but you know one thing I do have? I have trust in Christ, and I know 
that at the end of this race, when I cross that finish line, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And so I pray that we, like Paul, wouldn't be satisfied without Christ there as well. I don't believe that he would, ha- uh, he would have been, and, and, or was he, is he now? And the reason why I believe that Paul had this mindset and Paul had this focus is because I also believe that Paul saw that Christ was the only one that brought meaning to our existence on earth. Because if you take away Christ out of our lives right now, why are we here? To, to live and to, to go through what we go through, to get and gain for all of it, at the end, ultimately just to be gone. If Christ isn't the meaning of our life, then again, our existence has no, has no meaning at all. And so to not win Christ at the end of it would be devastating. And so I want to pray, and we're going to move on in, in Philippians chapter 3 and see these next few points, and hopefully they can give us some encouragement, they can give us some challenges for this new year, 2018, how we can have victory not only in this year, but moving forward in our Christian life. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us again to be here, to gather in your name freely. Thank you for the freedom of being able to open your word and preach your word and teach your word. Thank you for that opportunity we've already had this morning in Sunday school. And uh, Lord, already in this service and the scriptures being read. And um, Lord, we're so grateful for these freedoms in America. We know that we have brothers and sisters around this world uh, that don't have this freedom, don't have these luxuries, don't have the, uh, the, the blessing of, of such a, a comfortable place even to meet and gather. Many of them are out in deserts and, and, and having to hide. And uh, God, again, we're just so thankful for these blessings. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take, for, take this for granted, but we would take advantage of this time. We'd take advantage of this opportunity that every single one of us would be laid out before you right now, spiritually open to what you have for us in your word and through this message. God, I pray that you would be glorified through this, that what is said here this morning would only be words that are from your heart. God, that we would take them into our lives and we'd apply them. And God, even if, it, if, it's, if it's piercing, if it's convicting, God, we would, be allow, we would be moldable. We would be open to that and we would change in light of that. Lord, help us to grab what you want us to have this morning. And God, of course, if there's someone here this morning that's lost, they've never experienced a life change. They've never been born again. They've never surrendered the control of their life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe this morning they're still holding on to it. Maybe they're clinging to a, a profession, a prayer. Maybe they're clinging to an experience. But they know in their heart of hearts they've never experienced a, a radical life change because Jesus Christ has become the Lord and Savior of their life. If they're here this morning like that, Lord, I pray they would see how much you love them, that you did give Jesus, your only son, to die on a cross for their sins, and he rose again the third day so that they could have life and eternal life. Lord, just move this morning again. Use me as a vessel, again, that you would get all the glory from this. And we'll praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Paul addresses the Philippian believers again. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, he says, I haven't arrived. Paul the apostle was telling him, I don't think I've arrived to this place or I haven't taken possession of this prize. I haven't taken possession of what people would say, oh, he has made it spiritually. But you look at that, that pastor, you look at that apostle, you look at that, that, that ladies leader, you look at that, that, uh, that guy there, whatever, they have made it spiritually. And, and, and I think if anybody, humanly speaking, we could say that about would be the apostle Paul. 
And when we look at how, how God greatly used him uh, in, in the first missionary journeys and in church planning endeavors and, and the gospel spreading throughout all of Asia, Asia Minor, it's an amazing way that God used the Apostle Paul. And even with all the knowledge he had and all of the, the, the skill he had, all those things we say, man, that guy has made it spiritually. But the Apostle Paul clearly saying here, brethren, listen to me. I have not made it. I have not arrived. I haven't even got to the place that I'm aiming at. But he says this, but this one thing I do. I haven't arrived. I haven't made it. I haven't grabbed hold of, the, of what I'm pursuing yet. But I'm doing one thing right now for sure. And it's that I'm forgetting those things that are behind. And I'm reaching forth unto the things which are before. Paul realized something that runners realize too, that the finish line is not back there, it's up there. And he said, there's no way that I can win a race just like the runners in a race can't win if they're running backwards looking at what's behind them. They also aren't going to be very successful runners if they're running like this and constantly doing this. They've got to stay focused on what's ahead. You can see the runners, and I, and, and I, and I was thinking about showing some of those videos, but for time, I, I don't think I will, but uh, you can even see some of those runners as others are starting to catch them from behind. They can hear the footsteps. They, they can, uh, that's uh, sometimes a, a metaphorical phrase uh, whenever you're, you're in, a, in a football game or, or uh, even in a race. You really can't hear the footsteps until they're actually a little bit closer to you. Um, but you can see the, the, the metaphorical, the prefer, proverbial saying, oh, they started hearing footsteps because it's this, this instinct or this feeling that someone's right there on your back. And you can see as they're getting close to the finish line, they feel them, they'll start doing this. They'll start glancing back like they, they hear footsteps or they feel footsteps. Paul's saying, look, I, I, can't, I can't run the race that God has given me to run and I can't win what I'm, uh, what I'm striving to win if I'm looking back at the things which are behind. I've got to reach forth unto the things which are before. If you were here last week, you saw that race where the, where the girl came from like the back of the pack to win the race at the very end. And she was striving and trying so hard to win that race that she literally collapsed in, in a diving effort to win the race at the end of the race. And you can pull up all kinds of videos of, of, of races and see that same exact thing. People striving as hard as they can at the end of the end of the race to win, giving their very best effort. And that's what we saw in the challenge last week was we're at the end of end times right now. 2018, we're seeing a new, new year come about, but I believe we're seeing the, the end of the end. And if you and I as Christians don't do what Paul was doing 2,000 years ago even more, which is reaching forth, pressing forward, pressing as hard as we can for the kingdom of God, reaching for the same prize, then there's no way we're going to, number one, glorify God in these lives. But number two, finish the race well. We're not going to be ready for the end of the race. The choir just sang a song, and the, uh, a couple of lines in the song, I think it was in verse two, said this, for his returning, we watch and we pray. And then it says this, we will be ready, and listen to these words, the dawn of that day. We're going to be ready before he comes. 
That, that was a statement. That's a, that's, a, that's a declaration because it's based off of Scripture's command for us to watch and pray and for us to be ready always for the return of the Lord. But Paul says, I, I haven't done, haven't taken hold of, have not apprehended, not grabbed hold of Christ quite yet, but, I, but I'm doing this one thing. I'm pressing forward. Toward, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching forward to the things that are before, and I'm not looking behind me at what's going on. Saying I'm not focused on what my successes were years ago. I'm not focused on what I used to be or what I used to do for Christ in the past. And on the flip side of that, I'm not focused on what I have failed Christ in in the past. I'm not focused on, on where I've missed the mark in my past. I'm not focused on my past gains. I'm not pa- focused on my past losses. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead, period. Are you giving every bit of your effort to strain forward to Christ? Because that's, that, that's what we've got to evaluate now. Am, am I doing my life, am I living my life like that? Am I truly straining with all of my effort forward for Jesus Christ? Or am I constantly living back on what I haven't done or what I, how I messed up or all the things that I used to do or how much I did for God before, Sunday school classes I taught, people I won to the Lord back then, all those things. Am I focused on so much of that versus who needs the Lord now and what else can I do to serve him now? What else has God got ahead of me now? Because I've got to be straining. Remember what we shared last week? He said, yeah, but if the end of the end is this year, I mean, how far ahead do we have to look? We don't know how far ahead. But just as I said last week in, in, in football drills, they used to say, you finish through the whistle. You don't pull up before you, at a time you think that the play is over. You keep going until that whistle blows and then you stop. We also used, used to run uh, sprints and, and different things like that. And, and they would say, you run through the line. You don't run up to the line and slow up when you get to that line. You run all the way through the line because that means that you're going to give your very best effort the entire exercise or entire race. And that's what we've got to do in our life for Christ. We've got to give our very best effort all the way through. It's not that, well, if he's coming this year, hey, how much more can we do for the Lord? I mean, I've already done a lot. I've already messed up a lot. It's not that. It's I'm going to press even harder the closer it gets to his return. But what exactly, again, we know that the, he had to know the finish line. What exactly was the Apostle Paul straining for? Again, he hadn't got there, but he's pressing forward to it. What was he straining for? Look at verse 14. He says this, I'm reaching forward to things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number two in your notes this morning is this. We've got to know the prize. A runner, if he's going to win a race, he's going to be successful, he's got to know the finish line. But number two, he's got to know what the prize is. And nobody gets out on the race and, and goes through all the discipline of, of diet and training and, and all those things to get ready for that race to go out there and say, I don't really know what's at stake. I'm just running this race, you know. We don't do that. You know, I'm going for that first place medal or that gold medal. I'm going for this time, I'm, uh, this world record, I'm going for this call. This is the prize. 
And again, the ultimate prize is Christ. Very clearly in Scripture. But Paul is saying there's a mark. I'm going to ask this again, what I've already asked. How could Paul consider suffering for Christ and even being made conformable to the death of Christ? Going through stoning and imprisonment and, and kicked out of cities and betrayed by friends and all these. How could he be considering that, that type of life? How could he see that as a worthy thing to exchange all of the worldly pursuits and all the worldly acclaims that he had himself? How could he say, you know what, this is worth it. Let's look at the Apostle Paul's life before. He was a Pharisee. He had, he had acclaim. He had prominence. He had, he had rec- people esteemed him. He had respect. He even had fear. He, was, he had authority. People looked at him and knew who he was. He had a reputation of hauling Christians to prison and, and consenting to their death. And, and that's who Paul was before. He had things. He had prominence. He had all this stuff, and it was what he was pursuing in this life. And the Bible says that when he met Jesus Christ, he gave up all those things. We just read it in Philippians. He says, all those things I actually count as done. They mean nothing to me. All the things that I thought were important before, my job, my money, my fame, all the stuff in the world that I was pursuing is nothing. And here's what he said. To know Christ. None of this stuff. Just to know Christ. This stuff is nothing. And then he goes on, but he went on and he said, and to be, to have fellowship with his sufferings. And to be made conformable unto his death. That was the life Paul says, you know what? This is worth it. I I will be stoned. I will be imprisoned. I will suffer all kinds of of shipwreck and, 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 and without food and without sleep and without friends and without all those things. I will go through all of that to know Christ. To have him. And I will live this life of death for Christ because I know the prize is worth it. I know it's worth it. He knew what the prize was and he knew it was real. And I'm afraid today in, in 2018 churchianity, too many people consider the prizes of this world more valuable. Than knowing Christ. He knew the prize was real. It wasn't some fanciful thing like, um, well, yeah, there is a God, there is a Christ, and there's a heaven. It's just some mystical uh, fantasy kind of thing. No, 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 no. Paul knew him. Paul knew him, and he knew he was real, and he knew that prize one day was real. He, he, he wasn't walking by sight. He was walking by faith and absolute convincing. There was no, no question in his mind. That's why he was able to live the life and count the cost that he counted. Worthy for Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 8, if you look back in, in, in chapter 3, verse 8, he says that I may win Christ. That I may win Christ. That word in verse 14, Mark means the goal or the, or the, the, the end one has in view. The, that, that when we were kids, we used to say, hey, I'll race you to the fence, or hey, I'll race you to the, to the tree, or I'll race you to that. That was the mark that we had. And Paul says this, my mark that, that, that shows me that it's done, that I, the, the mark that I'm pressing for 
is the upward calling of Christ. It is when my, my Lord, my prize, Jesus Christ, the, the, here's, here's what I'm pressing for, is when he says, come on home. That's the finish line. As I said last week, the, the, the mark, the, 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 the finish line that we're, that we're striving for in this life is not retirement. The, 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 the finish line is not a, a, a certain uh, piece of land or, or a certain house or a certain job position or a relationship. It's nothing in this world as a child of God. The finish line, the mark, is the upward calling of our Lord. Xena said that we got to know the finish line. you got to know what the prize is. And, and as I said a while ago, Paul knew what the worth is. That's point number three. got to know what the worth is. You have to know the worth. See, to somebody who isn't a runner, who isn't spending time training and dieting, uh, well, even me, I hate running. That's what I was shared. I mean, if you're going to go out on track and we're going to race, I mean, and, and this is what you do and that's what you care about, it's going to mean something to you. But to me, I don't care. You run the race like you're going to win. If there's no value in it, if there's no worth to me, I'm not going to give effort to the race. Did you hear that? If there's no value, if there's no worth in running and especially winning. Now let's think about what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 9. He said, so run that you may win. He said that there's people in a race that, that run worldly races and they run to obtain corruptible crowns. They're running to uh, obtain gold medals that one day are going to be meaningless. They, they, they run to get world records that one day will go away. Now it won't matter. But then he says, but we run to obtain uncorruptible or incorruptible crowns. And so he says, so run that you may win. So some people's mindset is this, I'm just happy I'm in the race. <laughs> I'm happy, I'm happy I'm going to heaven. Look, that's a good thing to be happy about. But that's not how we're supposed to be living our lives. We're to be living our lives to win for Christ. That means that we're to give our very best effort for Christ. Because we see him as valuable. We see the prize as worthy to run hard for. Amen. He's worthy to run hard for. we look at our lives and we say, how much am I pressing towards that mark? How much am I pressing for the kingdom of God? How much am I giving to God and his kingdom? How much am I, am I trying as a child of God for him? If you say, I, I'm really not, I'm just, I'm probably one of those that looks like I'm just in the race, not trying to win. What that says to the world is that the prize is not worthy. It's not worth it. The reason why I'm not faithful, the reason why I'm not striving, the reason why I'm not telling people, the reason why I'm not serving, the reason why, that's what it tells the world is that the prize isn't worth it. I know a lot of Christians that they don't ever go to church. I know a lot of Christians. I've never heard them tell me about Jesus being the only way. I know a lot of Christians that they live their life how they want to live, and, and yet they say they're Christians. What that tells the world is that the prize isn't real, and it's not worth it. 
But when we as the children of God running a race like we're trying to win are out there in the world and the things to the, of the world, the pursuits of the world and the claims of the world, just like the Apostle Paul, seem dead to us because our pursuit is, is Jesus Christ, is that upward calling. We're living like this world is not our home. We're just passing through. When we live like that, the world says they're running for something significant. They're living for something far beyond anything in this world. We've got to know the worth. Paul knew that the Lord was going to call him home one day and that he would have part in the resurrection. Paul knew it. He believed it. No doubt in my mind. Again, this world's not my home. You can mark this down. I don't know if I'll put it in your notes or not, but if there's no worth to the prize, there will not be an urgent effort given to win it. What do you want at the end of your life? I want Christ. I want heaven. But does, does our life reflect an urgent effort to get there? I can't wait to get there. I'm running for him. That's what Paul, Paul says in his letter. He says, oh man. For me to live is Christ. That's what my life looks like. I'm pursuing him. I'm trying to follow him. I'm trying to walk in his footsteps. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I want you to look at this as well. If God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, doesn't me measure at the top of your value meter, then your appraisal process is broke. If, if, if you say, God so loved the world, that, what does that mean to you? Or you say, man, that is, that's the most important thing. God so loved me that he died for me so that I could have life. If that's not the most valuable thing to you that, that God did for you, that's the most important thing. Therefore, Jesus Christ is the most important person in my life. If it's not at the top of your, your value, Either your appraisal process is broke or your appraiser is broke. And the truth is this, too. When something is your own, when you own something, it tends to carry more value. I mean, think about it. Your spouse, your kids. And well, this, this, will, this will be a very uh, a sensitive bone that I prick in several people in here. Your grandkids... Your home, your car, your job, and even this, your hobby. This is what I love to do. Since to, to, to carry more weight, I, I, I love hunting, specifically hog hunting. I can talk to somebody who cares nothing about hog hunting, and they'd be like, great. <laughs> means nothing to them I care less you know I can talk to somebody else who, who loves doing that and be like oh yeah really huh you know it's amazing it means something when it's when it's yours 
What about your Savior? Is he your Savior? What about your Lord? Bible says there's one Lord. And is he yours? Because if he is yours, then there would be nothing else, no other thing above us, nothing else controlling us, nothing else driving us that would be more important than our Lord. But if he is our Lord, then he is that indispensable, irreplaceable, eternal God. There's no earthly value that we can ascribe to our Savior. There's nothing that we can say, you know what? This is, this is what my God is worth to me. All the money I've ever made, all the money I've ever, ever, all my possessions, there's nothing in this earth that we could ascribe value to, to Jesus Christ. There's nothing. He's eternal. There's nothing that can touch the value of him. The closest, please listen, the closest thing that we could do as far as putting value on what we could give to God to show him the value he is to us is our life. It's the most valuable thing we have. It's it's, it's our life. It's us. Paul realized, as we should, that if we could give our lives a hundred times, it still wouldn't bring the value to Jesus Christ that he was. And so he, he, he came to this mindset. If, even if I could do it a hundred times over, which I can't because I only have one, so what that means is I'll give this one wholeheartedly, absolutely, without question because he's that valuable to me. It's the least that we could do. And point number four as we close this morning is this. We've got to know the cost. When, when a runner goes to approach a race or, or to, to win a race, they, they know what this is going to take. There's not anybody in this room. I mean, unless you've been training for it. There's nobody in this room that could just go out and say, I'm going to run a marathon. Again, unless you've been training for it, because that's what you've got to do. The, the human body is resilient and strong and, and, and is amazing, but it's not designed to just go out and do that cold turkey. Amen. I mean, Forrest Gump is a movie. <laughs> it's Hollywood. It's not reality. Runners in any athletic or any competition, you've got to prepare for it. You've got to know what it's going to cost you. And that's what Paul said, too, that any man that's striving for mastery has, has to be temperate in all things. You've got to have, have, have to have self-control, have to be disciplined. A runner who's going to go out and run a marathon can't, days before it, just go and load up on all kinds of donuts and junk food and all this kind of stuff. They've got to know the right diet. They've got to know the right resting and sleeping uh, schedule. They've got to know all the right things to do, what it's going to take for them to not just finish, but to win. Again, what did Paul say that he gave up in this pursuit to win Christ? Everything that was valuable to him as a lost person. Everything that the world saw 
was valuable. Everything that Paul said, this was, this was important to me before I met Christ. He gave it all up, even at the cost of his own life. In Galatians, to the Galatian believers, chapter 2, verse 20, says this, I'm crucified with Christ. Paul said, when I met Jesus Christ, I was nailed up to that cross with Christ my Lord. My life on this earth, the control I had, everything I was doing, my life was put to death. I was done. I was no longer in control. I was no longer living for the pursuits that I was pursuing. I, it wasn't that. When I met Christ, my life was crucified. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, but here's the truth. I live. But it's not me. The, the, the old me was put on the cross and crucified, dead, gone. But I still have life. But my life is not the life I used to have. My life is Jesus Christ living inside of me. And so now this life, living for Jesus Christ and living with Christ inside of me, that I live inside this fleshly body, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, what, that's how Paul thought. That's how he saw himself. That's how we all should see ourselves. I'm living this life. If I'm a child of God, I'm living this life now for the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Because the moment that I gave my life up to Jesus Christ was the same thing, same thing happened to me. I was crucified with him. My life was put to death. The things I thought were gain, I now count as loss. The things that I, were, I was pursuing, that, that, that position at my, my company. And I, listen, when I say these things, it doesn't mean that uh, we don't have... Um, you know, ambition, and, and we don't, you know, hey, there's a promotion available at my job, and, and, and it's not going to, uh, it's going to be great, but here, here's, it's the mindset and the heart set. Hey, there's a promotion available at my job, and, and it would mean more money for my family, and it would be less stress and less problems, which is always a trick of the devil, but, um, you know, it's going to be more of this, and it's going to be better that, and it's going to be better this and better that. I believe the apostle Paul would have said this. Is it going to cost you anything in your walk with Christ? Is it going to pull you away from your engagement and your faithfulness to the Lord? Is it going to hinder your testimony? Is it going to, is it going to take from... And, and, and with that, with that extra money, how exactly is it going to be a blessing to you? Are you going to be able to do more for the gospel cause? Are you going to be able to do more to see the, the gospel be taken to other countries and around the world even more in your own community? It's that eternal mindset. It's that, that, that Christ-centered. Because why? Because the person who I was before Christ was all about me and my stuff and what I want and how I want to live and the things that are important to the world and what other people think about me and all these things. But when I met Christ, I was crucified. That person was put to death. And now I'm living for the one who loved me and gave his life for me. And it's all about him and pursuing him. And how all of these things in this world, this worldly flesh, match up with or fit into this pursuit of the prize of my Christ, my Lord. See, Paul grasps the worth. What God did for him as a wretched sinner and, and and maybe that's not how we see our lives, that that's the truth. Wretched sinners. And yet God loved us and gave himself for us.
It's a different kind of shout. (laughs) But Paul knew the prize and where it was found. He knew those things. So the give up everything was worth it to him. But please listen. Paul also knew that if he was going to pursue anything in this world, in his pursuit for Christ, it would be nothing but a weight added to the race. Did you get that? If Paul understood that my, my, the finish line, I know where it's at, I, I know what the, the prize is at the end, I know where the mark is, I know what the prize is, and I know the, the, the worth, and I realize the cost that I have to give up everything, that, that my pursuits are different now that I'm in Christ I'm pursuing him, not this world anymore. And if in this pursuit of Christ, in this life that I'm living, if I start to pursue these other things and they begin to be my my focus and my world, then that now becomes an added weight on my life as I'm trying to pursue Christ. And that's exactly, I believe, I believe Paul was writing this. I don't have, it's not 100%. We don't have 100% who wrote it. But I believe that's what was kind of the focus in Hebrews chapter 12. When he says this, wherefore, we are seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Those great a cloud of witnesses you can read in chapter 11. These great people of faith that God used, that trusted God. He said, we see the, this cloud of witnesses that trusted God despite the circumstances, despite what it cost them, despite the hurt and the harm and the dangers that they went through. They trusted God and God blessed them. This is the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. So we see this cloud of witnesses that people were doing this. He said, so when we look at this cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then look what he says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, this is how Jesus ran his race for us. This is how he did it. The joy that was set before him. Let's get through and, and, and rewind. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ's life for us on this earth was lived in light of the cross being his finish line. And yet it says that it was joy before him. What? It was joyful for Jesus to go to the cross and to experience the despising shame of a crucifixion death? Why? How was it a joy? Us. It's us who for the joy, he, he saw the bride, he saw his bride, he saw his people on the other side of the empty tomb. And that's how he was able to go through the cross and go through the shame and go through all of those things. And so Paul says, look, if we're going to run our race effectively and press forward to Jesus Christ, our prize at the end of it, if we're going to win him, if we're going to win the race that God has given to us, we have no time to add weight to this race. We have no way for us to do that. We need to keep our eyes on Christ just as Christ kept his eyes on us. 
going through the shame, going through the pain, going all through all of this. And so please listen as the musicians come. This pressing urgency that we are to have in 2018 won't come without knowledge of these things. It won't come without knowing the finish line, without knowing the, the, the worth and knowing uh, the prize and knowing the cost of running this race like this. It, it won't come without it. But listen, we can have this knowledge. Somebody can study how to run a marathon. Somebody can study to run, how, uh, to run an 800-meter race like we saw in the video. Somebody can read and study and know all the diets and things to do. You can have all the knowledge, but that knowledge doesn't do anything unless you act on it. Unless you act on the knowledge. And it doesn't come without, it doesn't come without a passion to do it. Because listen, I, I can say, you know what? I want to go out and I want to compete in the 800-meter Olympic races. There's no way I could even come close unless I pursued the necessary things with passion. A, 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 attacking diet and workout and training and, and all those things with passion. Not just some, uh, uh, yeah, oh, well, I'm going to do it today. No, I don't really feel like it. No, with passion. 100% of the time. An author once wrote, lukewarm people think about life on earth much more than eternity in heaven. Daily life is mostly focused on today's to-do list and this week's schedule and next month's vacation. Rarely, if ever, do they intently consider the life to come. I hope that I'm not anywhere close to lukewarm. And I pray that you aren't either. That we are burning with passion, urgency, running the race for Christ. Regarding this, C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote this, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Amen. It's since, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. When heaven isn't our passionate goal, when Christ isn't our passionate goal, it's not going to mean that much to share how to get there with others. To live like we're going, it's just not going to matter. But when it is the passionate pursuit of our life, it controls everything in our life. My challenge is that we would value our Lord as He deserves. My desire is that I would press toward that upward calling in Jesus Christ, that we would all do that. That we would forget the past, victories, the past failures, the, 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 the past triumphs and trials, the past circumstances that have controlled our life. That we would, like the Apostle Paul say, we're going to do that so that we can win Christ. That we keep our eyes focused where it's supposed to be focused and that we don't have weight on us that we shouldn't have. And so how about you this morning? Have you been distracted by circumstance? Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a spiritual attack. You say, man, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm on the track. I don't even feel like I'm running, let alone running to win. Or maybe you're similar to what we were seeing a while ago, maybe you're so wrapped up in worldly things 
And please listen. There's things in this world that are just here. And whether they be hobbies, jobs, things, whatever. They're there. And, they're, and we have them and we use them. But what I'm saying is this. Are you so wrapped up in them that may not be sinful in themselves? But you're so wrapped up in them that you can't even give a valiant effort for the kingdom of God. It's just, it's just one thing. It's, I've got a lot going on. You're so wrapped up in those things that you're not giving effort to the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about a mail-in effort. Well, I come, well, I, I, I do this. No, no, no. Pursuing Christ, running for him, running to him. What about this? Are you focused so much on you? What you want? What your plans are? What you think? What you want? What makes you happy? What gives you comfort? What gives you security? Are you so focused on that that you might not even be running the right direction in the race? Toward the prize. If you were to look back, if you look at your life and, and just be honest, the Bible says, let every man examine himself, whether he be in the faith. Is, is that what my life looks like, that I'm running the race of faith? That I'm running to Jesus Christ? Does my life look like that, really, to everybody around? Or does it look like I'm zigzagging around on the track, not really running a race at all? Brand new year. New opportunity. I pray that we don't miss it. I pray that we don't miss the opportunity at the end of end times to say, okay, I haven't been running right. I haven't been running with focus. I haven't been running with urgency. I haven't been running for Christ. I haven't been running to Christ. I've been so consumed and focused on, on problems and issues and circumstances and me and, and, and all these things that I have not been giving my best effort for Jesus Christ. Today that changes. Today that changes. I pray that you would make that determination, that you'd pray that prayer that I, that I prayed myself. God, I don't want that to be me. I want to run my, my race. I want to race the race that you gave to me, that you came down here, you died, and, and you gave me life. And, and, and I want to run it with passion, unbridled passion for you. I pray that's your prayer as well. Let's see God do the miraculous in 2018, not just in our individual lives, but in our church and through our church so that he's glorified. But it's only going to happen if we do this. That's how it's going to happen. I hope that you'll join with me and I hope that we'll see and experience this because we do. But you got to make the choice and that's what you have now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to meet again. Thank you for this message and the challenge that you've given us in it. Lord, we see that the Apostle Paul, he was just a man like us. Many people can maybe defend or deflect your example because they say, well, Jesus was God. Of course, he was perfect and did everything right. We realize that the Apostle Paul didn't do everything right. We realize that he was a man, that he struggled, that he was just like us. But he submitted himself to you and he got it. He knew the prize. He knew the worth. He knew where the finish line was and knew the cost and everything was worth it for him. 
Lord, I pray that it would, that would be our life. I pray that we'd leave this day today, this service today, and we would say the same thing. The cost of my everything is worth it. Jesus is worth it. The, the, the finish line is the upward calling. The, the prize is my Lord. And I'm going to run my race with every bit of energy for him. I'm not going to focus on the past. I'm not going to be weighted down with worldly things. I'm not going to, to focus on me, on what I want, my comfort. I'm going to focus on Jesus Christ and run my race. Lord, help every single one of your children in this place have the same mind, the same heart in this area. Lord, we'll praise you for what you do. We ask you to move now in Jesus' name.